How do you handle a teammate who chooses the worst quote unquote country song of all time as their walk up? Yeah, that's a brutal song. My prime and you right now, the who wins in the home run derby, me or you? Me. I can hit the ball the other way. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JP and Sevia. I'm your host as always, Nick Ashbourne, and today we are joined by the one and only Rowdy Telez, a guy who's come up with a lot of huge hits for the Blue Jays this season and has some of the best raw power in the league. Like Whether you're watching him batting practice or some of the home runs he's hit, that one at Fenway Park that there was a controversy over, was it the longest or not, ends up not being. But this guy can hit bombs. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know what's crazy too is throughout the different events that I've done here in Toronto, I, you know, I usually try to ask the kids, you know, who's your favorite player? A lot of them are saying Rowdy. And I, I mean, I think he has a great name. I think that's it, as dumb as it sounds. Yeah, is, that's a, that's part of it. That's that's something that kids probably really enjoy. But also it's easy to like somebody who he has been really good and he's hit some home runs and, and he uh, he's becoming a, a household name, I feel like, in Canada. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, fans often tend to gravitate to guys who don't look like superhumans guys who look like a guy you might see and like rowdy you know he would say this he's pretty like self-deprecating at times but like he's not this amazing chiseled athlete he's just like a guy out there ripping bombs he's strong as hell but like i think the fans are often drawn to those players who look like someone they might see in their lives not some person who looks like they've spent 16 hours in the gym every day of their life yeah he's just a he's a normal dude and and you know don't get it twisted like you said he's got some stupid power like really really big time power um he'll like to hear this i'll tell i'll tell him he doesn't have as much power as me we always go back and forth about that just kind of always he's he's like a little brother to me but um it's just been fun to watch and you see his at bats and he's having good at bats the other day he had hit a home run but the at bat before uh in boston he had just missed hitting a home run off of Brian Johnson, I think the the pitcher was. And so he's like having good at-bats. And even when he's getting out, he's just missing. Um, he's hitting lefties pretty well. I mean, I, Yeah, I mean, really well. That's something we're going to touch on with him for sure. But that's something that's been a real surprise so far. Early in the season, Montel was very hesitant to put him in against Southpaws. Then he got a hit here, a hit there. And suddenly, you know, there's no hesitation whatsoever. It's put him in there and... You know, it's a small sample. It's not going to be the way it is. But so far, he's actually hit lefties better than righties, which you just don't see. I know it's going to it's gonna come back around over the course of a long season, but the fact that he's shown that he's not totally helpless against lefties is really big for his future prospects. Well, that's what – and I think, you know, you go back to the beginning of the season, right? He, he wasn't going to make this team. You know, you, remember we talked to him um, at the beginning of the season, and he was like – at the time, he wasn't going to make the team, and he was the last second that they called him to, to make the team. So that's how his season started. Now all of a sudden, you know, he's platooning. Smoke goes down. Now he's getting everyday at-bats, and I think he's really been able to take that and run because, you know, Smoke is at the end of his contract. It looks like Rowdy is a guy who now they can commit to because he's being able to hit lefties well. I mean, his defense, I think he's one of the better defenders at first base. He's actually a really good defender. So... I think this is a guy who has proven himself to be a a player that you'll see for a while and and will be an everyday guy, and I and I think that when you we'll hear what he says, but I think that why he hits lefties better is because it helps it makes him stay on the ball a little bit more. You can't pull off. You you need to really think about staying on the ball versus lefties, 
and I feel like his approaches continue to get better. So, I, I mean, it'll be fun to hear what he has to say. Before we get to Rowdy, I want to talk a little bit about Christian Yelich and home runs overall, and I know that this is a subject we touch on again and again. Again, with baseball in 2019, but arguably it's the biggest story in baseball is the way home runs are flying. And right now, this is the last time I checked. I know these numbers shift like a little bit, and I don't know when you guys are going to be listening to it, so it's hard to say. But at a point in time very recently, Christian Yelich is on pace for 64 home runs. And it's incredible what he's done. Sort of since the middle of last year, he's probably been you know the best hitter in baseball, or at least the best power hitter in baseball, which is funny because the criticism of him always used to be, this is a guy who does everything well, but he kind of hits the ball on the ground too much, and he's never going to be that huge home run guy. Well, fast forward, and he's that huge home run guy. And I'm wondering, you know, he's, he's not going to take aim at the, you know, the on-paper record, the Barry Bonds record. But Chris Davis, a few years ago, when he was really going, and it looked like he might get 61 or 62 or whatever it was, he seemed to indicate that that was something that really mattered to him because that was the Roger Maris record. That was, quote-unquote, the clean record. So I want to put to you, what would it mean if a guy like Christian Yelich were to, you know, let's say he completed that pace and finished with 64 home runs? Does it mean something to get above that 61, to get uh, not a record, but the highest total since, you know, the ones that people want to put asterisks beside. Yeah, um, there's a few things to that. Uh, first off, I think that the asterisk, you don't think that those guys back in the days were testing different things. Like I, I've heard m- countless older players, like old, old timers say that, you know, there was things that were going on back then as well. Oh, for and, sure. And so to say that it's the quote-unquote clean, um, we don't know for sure, right? This is also speculation. We don't know for sure, but uh, I mean not to take anything away from anybody that's put up these numbers previously, but it's nothing, you can't say that, that Babe Ruth or Roger Maris, any of these guys, you can't say that they were or were not clean because you really don't know. But I have heard many people say like, hey, these guys used to test out everything back in the day, right? Talking about everything. So – now I'll go to today. I think Kristen Yelich, with the amount of testing that's going on, I think that it is you're able to say like, "Hey, this is the clean home run record." If he were to pass that again, hypothetically speaking, we don't know what happened, but yeah, if you pass 61, I think it's special. I think it's special because I mean, not no one has ever said that they haven't been caught. At, you know, obviously McGuire's different. Bonds is is clean as we know right as as officially officially he's clean um but yeah i mean i think it's special also you have to take into consideration yelich plays in the best hitting park in baseball if not the best one of the best okay bonds was doing this in san francisco which is brutal all right mcguire was in in st louis which is is fair yeah it's medium but Milwaukee is known as an absolute launching pad. The Marlins went up there the other day, and they were hitting. They hit more home runs than they hit in the entire, like season. It it felt like. So, just understand that also Yelich. Yeah, he's hitting the five balls and all these different things. His fly ball rate is up, which obviously is going to be up anyways if you're hitting home runs. But for me, you go from Miami, which is one of the worst hitting parks in baseball. I mean, it's it sucks. It's not a good home run home park. To then going to Milwaukee, which is one of the best in all of baseball, I think that he's having a phenomenal year, but I also think that it's helped by the stadium. 
context is definitely important. I don't know if he would have had, you know, if you transplanted what he did in Miami into Miller Park somehow, it wouldn't look like this. There's definitely a step forward that he's taking. But the context that I want to touch on is the the juiced ball, quote unquote, and the fact that the ball's flying, you know, more than ever before. We had a dip in 2018, but in 2017 and this year, the home run rate is just way, way up. And the perfect example of this came out the other day, and it was Todd Frazier when he hit this fly ball. and Oh, that he threw the bat? Yeah, and he, and he was, he was so yeah. mad because he thought, oh, this was a perfect pitch to hit, and I just skied it, and it just yeah, left the park. I don't think that has to do with the ball, though. I think it has to do with, one, Wrigley, if the wind's blowing out. You know, if you're used to – here's the thing, too, as a, as a hitter, if you're used to a, a, a park and you hit a fly ball and you're used to that feeling of, oh, crap, it's not a home run – which I'm sure he's used to that in, in at the Met Stadium. Then you go to Chicago, you hit a pop fly like that, and all of a sudden gets out. I think that could be part of it. Now to your the ball though, the juice ball. I read an article the other day that they've been investigating it, and that they say, and this is yeah, Rawlings, this is the MLB, MLB and Rawlings. Well, Rawlings, yeah, Rawlings. Yeah. What Rawlings is saying is that they have been able to be much more efficient because if you ever if anyone ever has unwinded a ball right you take off the the shell and then it's got a ton of like rope or whatever string right yeah. then you get down and there's a little core there's a little ball they said that before they weren't as efficient at being able to have that ball in the same spot all the time like that that it wasn't it would be a little offline which would offset ball flight now they're saying they renate they've been able to become so efficient with where their ball placement is in that inside of the baseball that now it's just flying more true. And so again, that's what they that's what they're claiming. That's what they're saying is the difference is because of the the core of the ball, why it's been able to fly at a better rate is because if it was off center, it changes the flight a little bit. And this is we're talking about obviously like millimeters i mean just stuff that you can measure only with i feel like microscope microscope kind yeah, of stuff incredible levels of precision but that's what they're saying and again i just also think too you have to put two and two together like physics hello people physics if a ball is coming in harder and hits a bat it's gonna go further look at the average velocity every year it continues to go up Every year, it's over 93 miles an hour now. So if the va- if fastballs are throwing harder, balls are throwing harder, guys are hitting them, it's going to go further. That's just physics. So that's also a part of it. I think throughout the league, guys are throwing a lot harder. Guys are hitting the balls that are coming in harder. So there's going to be more exit velocity, more home runs. Yeah, it's an interesting explanation by Rawlings because I don't think that there's – if say that that's true. It's not nefarious necessarily. It's just, you know, we've – made our process like this because that's the most efficient way to do it. And if anything, the way it used to be in a sense wasn't good enough. But the fact remains the same is that the ball is carrying more than ever before. Like we, you know, it's pretty clear that that's the case. And it's not generally affecting the guys at the top of the leaderboard. If anything, it's letting guys lower down, have those warning track balls go over. Like guys like Stan aren't scraping walls. They're hitting huge bombs. So you're not, he's not getting any extra bombs. Yeah. And Yelich is a little bit like that, but not. I wouldn't put him in the same category as that. I'm just thinking that, let's say Yelich hits 64 home runs, 
And then we, and I think it might be more of a player thing than a fan and media thing, but let's say that he gets that, that kind of hypothetical home run crown of that's the biggest clean season ever. Is there something to be said as well for the fact that he did it at a time when, you know, home runs were at an all time high and balls are flying more than ever. And I know that that's not his fault. So that's not him cheating in any way, but is it also something that you have to look at and say, yeah, he did this and it's a great accomplishment, but yeah, but one of them one of the them, one of them is is self-inflicted juice, right? I if I'm yeah. taking if I'm cheating, I'm I'm injecting it into my body. And one of them is a byproduct of just the times, right? That's not his fault. I don't think that he gets any I don't think that there should be an asterisk because oh, the ball's flying more in this year. That's not his fault if that's the case, right? If that's the case. But I I think that you can't it doesn't take away from me. It does not take away from what he's doing. It just that's not that's not him. He's not doing anything differently. But it is what it is. I, I just don't think it takes it, it shouldn't take away from if he hits sixty four, it shouldn't be like, well, but he did it in this year. No. It should be he hit sixty four, dude. Like this guy hit sixty four home runs in the major leagues, which is the hardest level of baseball on the planet. That was special. Regardless of the times, because He's not going in there and wanting the balls tighter or, or putting the, you know, whatever it may be, the, the supposed thing to make this ball fly further. Whatever it may be, it's not his fault. And everybody else in the league has the same baseball. So then why would that be any kind of a detriment to, to what he's done? I do think, though, that when we look at baseball history, sometimes we do think about it like that when we say, oh, this was a great, you know, this pitcher put up this ERA, but it was in the dead ball era. This guy did this, but that was the year of the pitcher, and they had to raise the mound up the next year. Like, we might be pre some kind of adjustment in baseball, and when we look back 20 years from now, 2019 might look like a time like, oh, that was a moment when baseball was very weird. That's not really how yeah, but baseball what, what, was played. What brought baseball back after the strike? Well, you could argue it's the home run. Okay, right? So when, when everybody was dialing in and going, Sammy Sosa – Mark McGuire, and they were going on TV from one at bat to the other, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, we're watching!" And Barry Bonds comes up and starts. He's he's in it. Brought baseball back. People want to see scoring. I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest. I love a well pitched game. I'm sure you love a well pitched game. You can appreciate that. I'm sure there's fans that really appreciate, you know, no hitter or a shutout, a complete game shutout, all these things. But majority of the people when they go, they want to see. Freaking light show! They want to see balls hit into the second deck, right? I mean, it's entertainment, and so I don't know if baseball ever does anything. I know I I'm sure as hell that the, with the players' association, if guys are hitting more home runs, guys are making money, more money, and I mean the pitchers are still doing well for themselves as well. So I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that would be done other than I'm you know obviously in in Colorado they put them in a humidor to make it not fly as much, but... And it still flies. Yeah, <laughs> and it's still, and, still nuts. And it still goes crazy. So that's why, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't I don't see them making an adjustment. And until they can prove that there's something different with the baseballs, I don't, I don't think that there's anything to be done. Well, I think that part of that too is that with the strikeouts on the rise, if you were to kind of make the home runs go down, whether that was an adjustment to the ball, I guess that would be the way to do it then you might see scoring really fall off because home runs are driving offense in baseball at, at such rate. a rate yeah, right now. 
So if you if suddenly people are striking out well over 20% of the time and home runs come down to a quote-unquote normal historical rate, the game is going to become a lot different than most people are yeah. used to watching. And here's another thing too is I, I want to say is that not only do I think the velocity, uh, some of it, I'm not a huge the ball is juice guy. I'm not a, I'm not on that that belief, but when you have higher velocity, there's more home runs hit because it's just physics. Also, back in the days, everybody was told pitch down, pitch down, pitch down. Throw the ball down in the zone. Throw the ball down in the zone. Now, everything is throw the ball up in the zone. Throw those fastballs up in the zone. Get that carry. Get that fastball up in the zone. So the byproduct is if you miss, you're you're getting a home run hit off you. Look at Freddie Galvis. Freddie Galvis hit a a grand slam on 0-2 pitch, and they were trying to throw a fastball up. What happened? Home run. Many years ago, they would have said, hey, bury a slider right here. Hey, down and away. They, you know, try to get them looking down and away. It's just a different – I think they're byproducts also of the way things are being done now. I, I, that's just my belief. But, you know, I'm going to always side for the home run hitters anyways. Yeah, I think that – I saw an interesting study the other day about sinkers and four-seamers and how sinkers – are kind of dying out compared to four-seamers. But when you look at it, sinkers, if the guy makes contact, it's going to be worse contact. But the reason we're going to four-seamers more and more is because guys whiff on those pitches, whereas guys are almost always making contact on sinkers. So you can make a mathematical argument that four-seamers are more effective even though the contact against them is more dangerous. And I think that people in pitching have kind of leaned towards that, like let's maximize the whiffs. And as and a result, the swings, you're think about out. it. And the swings are you know, going more on an upward plane now. And if a ball is sinking down, that goes into the bat. The four-seamer stays above the bat. Yeah, a lot of guys have that launch angle swing and they're getting under sinkers. They've learned about that pitch. Trout is a perfect example. But we can talk about, I could talk about Mike Trout all day in any context, basically about baseball. But we're going to call Rowdy Telez right now. Our boy, the man, the myth, the legend, Rowdy, you are having a phenomenal year. Um, it's been really fun to watch. And the biggest thing, one of the first things I want to ask you is, you know, coming to the season the way you came in, where, you know, making the team, you didn't know what was going to happen. Then all of a sudden you're platooning. Then you're getting every day at bats. Smoke goes down and you're getting every day at bats. And I think you're showing more than just the Blue Jays. I think you're showing everybody um, that you're an everyday guy. Uh, talk about how f- much fun the season has been, the way it's kind of rolled out. Uh, you know, it's been great. It's been a great learning experience and a great season to go through. We have a bunch of young guys that are coming into their own with Kevin and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Guriel's having a phenomenal year. And then we have our, our veterans that are really helping us young guys out like Smokey and, and Freddie Galvis on the offensive side and Clayton Richard on the, the pitching side, helping out our young staff. But um, it's been a great year, having a lot of fun. You know, a lot of teams are doubting us. Um, a lot of people are saying we're not going to be very good, but I think uh, when I say near future, I mean this year, next year, year after that, we're going to be a contending team. No doubt. And, you know, I do a lot of events still throughout the city, and one of the cool things is is I always try to ask young guys, you know, hey, who's your favorite player? You know, kid, wh- who's your favorite player? And a lot of kids are starting to say rowdy now, and it's pretty cool um, because I think you deserve it. But for you, how does that, you know, how does that make you feel to know – that you know where you've come from to where you're at right now. That now you're becoming more of a household name, and now these kids are starting to look up to you. Uh, I think you might be misunderstanding the kids. They're probably saying Vladdy, not Rowdy. 
No, they are saying rowdy. They are 100% saying rowdy. So, you know, I, I mean, you can you, you don't have to. I know that you're a humble guy, but that's pretty special. So talk about what that means to you. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool feeling to, you know, starting with I wasn't going to make the team out of spring training to having in a, you know, a trade that allowed me to be called up to make the opening day roster to where I am now has been a pretty humbling experience, you know, and now to hear that people, you know, it's cool to see my jersey walk around the stadium, um, you know, see people on the streets. Um, I ran into somebody when I was out to eat that had my jersey on, had no idea who I was. <laughs> so it was, it was actually pretty funny, but it, it's a cool experience to to know and hear people say my name that I'm, you know, kids' favorite players. As growing up, you know, I was in their same shoes where I wanted to meet my my hero and the, the players I looked up to. We're kind of obligated to ask everyone about Vladi, but I want to ask you about Vladi in particular because it seems like you two have a bit of a relationship coming through the minor leagues together. I remember seeing you, you know, hugging Vladi's grandma during his debut. So I wanted you to touch on what it's like to be teammates with him and the relationships you guys have formed. Um, well, Vladi's family and I go back a little further than me and Vladi playing together. Um, I played with his cousin in the Arizona Fall League 2015, Gabby Guerrero. And then I played with Gabby in the Dominican in 2016. And so I've known his grandparents for a little bit, and they used to cook for me and bring food. And then when Vladdy got called up to AAA last year, uh, it kind of just went on. She used to always, you know, she doesn't speak English, so um, I would try my best to communicate in Spanish, and I'd have Vladdy Jr. there to, to help me a little bit. But she always was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You're just a big first baseman. You know, but it, it's awesome having him around. Um, like you said, we have a little bit different dynamic. Now that Kevin's here, he's a little more comfortable around, um, you know, he's having more people come up that he's played with. Uh, so, but at first, you know, it was a little overwhelming for him. So I think as an American player, um, an English speaker, like when he came to me, it was more for comfort because he knew that, you know, I was comfortable around him and he was comfortable around me in the, in the clubhouse and that kind of gave him some security. So now I'm going to ask you to trash Vladdy for a second because his uh, walk-up song has famously been Old Town Road and we know that you're a country guy. How do you handle a teammate who chooses the worst quote-unquote country song of all time as their walk-up? Uh, I mean, it's, it's whatever he wants. I don't, I don't. I mean, everybody loves it. It's, you know, I guess an iconic song for 2019. And, you know, it was a, I don't know where he, it came from. I don't know why he wanted it like that, but um, I wouldn't even call it a country song. It's awful. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to start off, but you were starting off way too diplomatic there. I was like, that's not rowdy. And then you came around at the end. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a brutal song, but it's his walk up and, what he wanted but oh well right now you're getting more at bats on a consistent basis you know talk about your approach and how guys are being able to you know they're adjusting to you but it seems like you are continuing to evolve in your approach and I think that's also why you know I, I talked earlier on the podcast I talked to you about it was even on your at bats sometimes when you get out you're you're like just missing pitches you know talk about uh, you know Guillermo obviously there but just even the experience that you've been gaining by those everyday at bats um, I think I had to prove it early. I know um, some of my staff didn't have 
the trust in me to face left-handed pitching, and then I came in and showed him that if you didn't let me face it, I wasn't going to be good enough at it. And then as time progressed, I was facing more and more left-handed pitching. I was hitting well. Um, so, you know, I think that was a reason I was earning more at-bats, and I just kept on going there and proved that I can be the everyday player and and be and then on top of that be capable enough to play defense at a high level. Over there at first, um, you know, Smokey's a little banged up right now. Um, I think he's probably, for me, one of the best defending first basemen in the game now. Um, so for for me to be able to learn from him and pick his brain as much as I can, that's helped me a lot. And, um, you know, he's a tremendous leader, tremendous person in the clubhouse and helps out all the young guys whenever they need some. You know, whenever we're struggling, we have our head down. He's always wanting to come by and say, hey, man, you got it. But it's all good, dude. You know, so he's just a great guy overall that has helped me. And I think having him in my corner has helped me be comfortable in, in the big leagues in my first season. Rowdy, you touched on the bats against left-handers and how important that's been. But one thing that really stands out about your season as well is your success in really big high-leverage spots or is that pinch hit three-run home run earlier in the year. But if you just look at the numbers, like you've been incredible with you know guys on base and in those big, important spots. Do you think there's anything about you as a person or a player that allows you to relax more? Or is that just the way the chips have fallen so far? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, if, if everybody went out and, you know, per se crushed it in the late innings, you know, then it wouldn't be more heroic or wouldn't be as clutch. But I think for me, it was just getting in there knowing that, like, everybody's sitting there going, okay, this isn't going to happen. Like, he's not going to do it and doubting it and doubting me. And, you know, just kind of like I was just there to, to prove them wrong, you know. And those at-bats, like that pinch hit, and home run in the beginning of the season was all I wanted to do is hit a fly ball, just get one run in, get us closer. Every time a situation like that comes in, I just want to be able to drive at least one of them in, one run. Um, so I think uh, having that mindset allows me to take some pressure off myself, not trying to hit a home run, but just trying to put something in the air deep enough for the runner out there to score. Do you think it's easier for a team with a lot of young guys to be confident in those spots when you have you know there's that a lot of guys don't have the same level of doubt when they haven't had the same level of failure like you know Vladi comes up he had an immediate confidence do you think that as a team of young guys you're able to <clears throat> do that together or is it the other way where if guys don't have experience in those spots they have a harder time dealing with it I think it's a little bit of both where in the minor leagues when we get to those situations uh, you know the pitch is going to make a mistake. Here in the big leagues, they're just looking to get you out. You know, they're looking to feed off your what you're not good at. And for me, you know, that was like chasing balls out of the zone. Uh, so I had to try my best to eliminate that. But I think, again, back to our, our veterans of Freddie Galvis and, and Smokey, when we get into these situations and we fail, having them in our corner, like sitting down, as we sit down in the dugout, you know, and, and we're frustrated or upset knowing that we failed, having them come up to us and just pat on the back like, hey, man, it's it's a tough game. You know, just kind of having that reality check and and being there for the young guys, seeing, you know, like, we've been in your shoes. It's tough. Like, it's hard. Like, you want to be good. But, um, again, I think having those two guys, especially for a guy like me having Smokey and for our long, young Latino players having Freddie where they can communicate um, and not feel – 
discouraged and have somebody who can really be in their corner, uh, I think that's huge for us. Roddy, this is the last one. We'll let you go. Um, Two-part question for me. Uh, Vladdy has talked about um, hit, you know, ble- being in the home run derby. You obviously get to watch him hit batting practice every single day. So do you think that he would have a chance? And then second, um, you always like to talk about having more home run than me or more power than me. So if me and you were to have a home run derby, who would win? Um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch Vladdy because I have seen him take BP. And there's days where he can hit home runs on command. And they're like low line drives where like the outfielders are running back and getting ready to jump. And it's like after that, it's like 10 rows deep. I mean, and it's really impressive to watch him hit BP. And um, so I'm really excited to watch him in the home run derby. I think he's having uh, John Schneider, uh, one of our coaches, throw to him, who has been his manager for the last couple of years. And he's taking BP off him. So I, I think we got a little bit of uh, leverage there. And second part, that's not even a question. Let's let's honestly just think about that. All right. Um, so, who has learned, who has more power? All right. So I'm thinking about it, but I still want to hear because it's it's still a question I'm asking you. I I mean I think that I have more power like we, than you. If we took a home run derby right now, yeah, my prime and you right now. Do you, who wins in the home run derby, me or you? Me. I can hit the ball the other way. <laughs> All right, well, I'll give you that one because you're doing it, um, and I'm sitting here and I'm not playing anymore. But uh, thanks for coming on, dude. Keep doing it. Everybody uh, loves you. Uh, you're becoming a household name, and, and, again, I'm proud of you like a, a big brother. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me again. See ya. There's Rowdy Telez officially getting his friend of the show card with his second appearance. But it's interesting to talk to a guy – when he settled in a little bit. I think there's a big difference. Between, How much more different was that conversation yeah, from him? Between Rowdy and, you know, not just that conversation, it's like conversations I've had with him at the park, you've had with him at the park. He's just, he seemed more himself. I think he was a little bit overwhelmed when he first came, but even though he was very successful initially with all yeah. those doubles and stuff, um, and he had a good, you know, start to his big league career, but I think that now that he knows what to expect, now he's seen some of these pitchers before, he's familiarized himself with some of the teammates, it's just it's clear that he's kind of settled in on on a personal level, and I think that comes out in conversations you have with him. Well, no, and I you know what it's it's fun is is talking to guys now, um, and again I know we always bring up the old Vladdy thing, but talking to guys now, uh, after Vladdy has been called up and Cavan and all these guys, because even even the conversations I feel like, you know, Cavan we had Cavan on, he was great, right? All these young guys are coming up with a really good idea. And I think that it's like, even the clubhouse, I feel like guys are, 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 I wouldn't say they're less reluctant to just have the vanilla answer. Like, Oh yeah, it's great. Blah, blah, blah. End of the answer. Like they, now it's starting their, their answers are getting longer, which to me tells me they're actually in a great place. They're having fun. I mean, you look at the dugout. I mean, you see all these, now tell Oscar's back, right? And he's, you know, he's the king the of the seeds sunflower. Are yeah, the sunflower. It's just a different Trent vibe. Thornton with the uh, catcher's yeah, gear. Yeah, the catcher's gear. Yeah, so apparently this, I, w- I wanted to know the story behind that because I was like, that's hilarious. I'd never seen that before. And I talked to the Blue Jays radio guy, Ben Wagner, and he told me that apparently, like, they put just one piece on him first. It was the hat, the backwards hat, and then the Jays got a hit. And they're like, okay. And then they put the mask on. And then the ra- they were kind of rallying in that game. And so they just kept putting like pieces of equipment on him in hopes that good things would happen. And then 
the ball came to him and that's when we saw that block clip that kind of went out there throughout Twitter but that kind of thing happening on the bench shows that guys are engaged they're not checked out they are having fun as you say and you get that with a young team that you know, are coming up together and embracing similar experiences all at the same time. Well, and they all believe. They all have that belief. I mean, you hear Rowdy talk about it. It's like, we don't think that we can win in a few years. We think we can win now, and we think we could really win next year and, and contend. And so, I mean, a, a, in a season though where, you know, you look at it and you're like, yeah, I know, blah, 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 this team's not good. But I, I don't believe it. I think that you're watching a lot of real good young players cut their teeth in the big leagues, start learning right now. You see that that the camaraderie is coming together. You see the fun that they're having in the dugout. I mean, Trent Thornton was a guy that was not supposed to be a part of this team. All of a sudden, he's he's one of the better pitchers. In, yeah, in, he's been a really good story for this team. He's, he's been phenomenal. So it's it's fun to watch the growth of this team come together. Bo Bichette, I'm sure, is right around the corner. I'm sure he's knocking on the door. You saw Jordan Romano just come up and make his debut. And he'll be a guy that I think is going to be in the bullpen, a big part of it. So little by little, you're starting to see this all kind of come together. And I'm excited to see, you know, what it turns out to be. But for the time being, I think this has been a fun team to watch. So before we finish it off with a would you rather, I do think it's worth discussing a little bit what you asked Rowdy, which is Vladdy being in the home run derby. Because this could go a couple of ways. I mean, we know even the best home run hitters, sometimes it doesn't work out for them. They hit four in the first round and they're done or whatever, and it might be that. But there's also potential here for this to be one of the most exciting moments in the Blue Jays' season, is Vlad becoming a more national star. People see A lot of people probably haven't really seen him hit before, haven't seen him do much before, seeing him just explode on a huge stage. And that prospect could be very exciting. So I wanted... I mean, both of you and I have watched him in BP. It's funny that the first couple of times he did BP, like, every eye was on him and every swing. And then everyone, you know, you habituate to your surroundings. So I, you know, I, I'm guilty of it too. I'll be at the park and there's BP and Vladdy's hitting. And, you know, I, I barely notice it sometimes now. But I do know that this is a guy that can put on, as you would say, a laser show in BP. And I think that... You know, if I was putting money down, I wouldn't bet on him. There's too many other guys who have experience doing it, too many other really, really good home run hitters in this league. But he's kind of an interesting dark horse for me. Yeah, you know what? He's a guy, and I, and I could be wrong. I think that I thought he won the home run derby in the minor leagues at some point, and I and I and I could be wrong, but I thought that that's what I had seen at some point. This is a guy who can hit the ball very, very far, and his misses still get out of the park. And that's what you have to do to be able to win a home run derby is even the ones that you just missed, they have to they have to leave the yard, and he has that kind of power. Um, Rowdy touched on it. He has John Schneider, who's his BP coach. And when you can throw batting practice, when you or excuse me, when you have somebody who can throw batting practice really, really well, and always you have that, that connection with him, he knows. Because imagine a batting practice thrower, Usually your last round, you're like, hey, I want to feel good round, right? So throw it to throw it in my honey hole. And so John Schneider knows where he needs to throw it because he's seen thousands and thousands of swings from Vladdy from that vantage. And he knows when he throws the ball in this certain spot that he can hit it out on almost, I mean, 10 out of 10 times, right? And so he knows that he can just go to that spot, go to that spot, go to that spot and set Vladdy up. So it would be fun. I think for the game, it would be fun. 
to have Vladdy Jr. I think that other guys that are young and, and impressive like that need to be in it as well. Plus, if he wins it, the dude wins a million bucks. So it's a pretty yeah, freaking pretty good significant day. for him in terms of if you put that against his career earnings, which is basically exclusively his bonus, which yeah. was a I mean, healthy good. bonus, yeah, yeah, but you know, that's a huge percentage of his earnings. It was firm. I think that you make a good point with Schneider because some guys go with a sentimental pick of some kind, yeah, whether it's a relative or, or it's yeah. a teammate or something. And like that's great, and everyone likes to see those stories, and sometimes they work out. But if I'm going for a million dollars, I'd like to go with the person I'm most familiar yes. with. Yes, yeah, I want to. I want to have Schneids. So I'm not. I would not bet on Guerrero, as I said, to win this. But I think it's going to be really fun to watch. He'll have a very different style than a lot of the other guys because he does hit such low, hard liners. Kind of, you know, Judge is a little bit like that at times, and Stan. Those two guys have that in them. But I think he. Even more, he has a more consistent. It's swing. more consistently yeah. the low liners yeah, opposed the liners to the towering swing. shot. So I think that that style might be fun for a lot of home run derby fans to watch. Before we get out of here, it's a would you rather. This one could be a no brainer depending on to what degree you're a dog person. So, would I'm you? I'm a dog person, so okay, let's, let's hear it. We'll see it. Okay, so would you rather have a Lego brick in your shoe permanently, like whenever you have a shoe? You've got one of those horrible Lego bricks in it, and it's just busting up your foot. Okay. Or whenever you see a dog, you have to go up to the dog and call it a bad dog. Like, not like screaming, but like quite loudly. So this is one where you like see someone walk by you in the street. They're walking their dog, and you have to go, bad dog. Like to the, and I just think you're going to, you know, you're going to alienate yourself with a lot of dog owners <laughs> and just i don't know some people just I'll be single for the rest of my life yeah some you're gonna need to find a cat, a cat person yeah a cat person um some people would have problems just saying that to a dog i don't know if that's where i'm at with dogs i grew up with dogs but i don't know if saying bad dog to a dog would upset me but there's certainly um social ramifications yeah i love dogs here's the thing i i do think that i have a couple questions then okay. to your yeah, would yeah, you yeah. rather so if i have if i'm walking barefooted do I, uh, is this brick, is this Lego still there? No, but, oh, I mean, obviously we know some of the risks of walking barefoot everywhere. And also you're going to be at a lot of events in your life where people are going to expect you to what wear about, shoes. So sandals count as shoes? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go ahead and say that I, um, unfortunately, I, I listen, I love dogs. I am a huge dog guy, but I would say bad dog to the dogs because I, there is nothing worse to me. Then when I'm walking and I step on something and it hurts, yeah. and it's like in the middle of your foot or whatever it may be, I, I, I don't even like when I – I used to feel in the Rogers Center, you know, they have like those – you walk around the field enough, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that that little – the rubber gets into yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, That bothers me to an insane amount. So if there's a Lego in my – every time I walk in my shoe – I got, I would be literally, I would want to start crawling everywhere. So I would have to say that for me, unfortunately, people are going to, what could, I would say bad dog and then just be like, hey, I, I have some kind of an issues. I apologize. I, I don't know if the apology is allowed, but to, to be fair, I didn't specify that. I would do the same thing. I love to walk even as just a recreational activity. I love to play sports. Uh, I, you know, last night I played pickup basketball for like literally three hours. If I did that with a rock in my shoe, it would be the worst. Yeah, it'd be terrible. And I remember, um, so I went, I was up at someone's cottage and 
we were just messing around and I, I, I cut the bottom of my foot on a rock. Like, it, you know, it wasn't a major thing. It was a small cut. But then a few days later, I was going on a trip to New Orleans. And so I was this holiday I was looking forward to and a trip to New Orleans. And, you know, whenever in a holiday, you walk around a lot and even just having like a small cut on the bottom of your foot, yeah. walking everywhere was torture. And Terrible. like, I arguably remember how shitty walking was more than I remember a lot of aspects of that trip. To be fair, New Orleans is not a good place to go to remember things, but that's a little bit of a different issue. Listen, I've, I've been, my sister has six kids. I've been around enough, enough of my nieces and nephews that I've stepped on toys before. Yeah. And it's Legos almost particularly bad, dude. And it's almost literally, it's almost like the stub your foot in the middle of the night on the bed. You just want to, you want to scream bloody murder, murder. You're, you're, you want to flip off everybody that's around you. And then you realize like, shit, this is my fault. I just stepped on this. But if I had to do that every single time, I would literally be the most just obnoxious human just upset bitter person the rest of my life and you I might you it. might get mad at random dogs anyway because you're in such a bad mood yeah who's who yeah. knows i wouldn't i gosh dude that would be i would literally i'd hate exercising i'd hate everything is walking with a stupid lego in my f shoe or you yeah or you'd have to become a very intense barefoot hippie type all right uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it there. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Digging In with JPR and Cebia. We appreciate you guys continuing to subscribe, rate, review wherever you're getting your podcasts, and we hope you'll tune in next week. Thank you. <laughs>